right, Nico, can you say welcome to another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies? It's a happy episode. Um, happy babies. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies. I am your host, Dr. Jay Warren. I'm a prenatal and pediatric chiropractor here in San Diego, California at the Cap Walma Center. And on today's episode, I have two guests, actually. I have Dr. Jim Thompson and Dr. Sarah Hogan. They together teach a course on the topic we're going to be talking about today, primitive reflexes in your baby and in the first year and their importance. And that course taught by the, or taught for the ICPA, the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, I took um, a while ago. I can't remember exactly how long ago it was, um, but in them teaching other prenatal and pediatric chiropractors. I talked with them about coming on here and helping you parents understand, one, what primitive reflexes are. You've probably heard of, obviously, the grasping reflex, uh, something really cute that your baby does in those first couple months. But also, there's many, many others that are really good indicators of the neurological health of your baby and the doctors that are coming on are going to help you understand that one, why they're important to um, what they mean and then what can be done about them. If one of the um, reflexes is either absent or if they're retaining that, um, that reflex and they're not disappearing or they're not integrating really. And we'll talk a lot more about that. So, let me um, take a short break right now. I'll come back, introduce the two doctors to you, and then we'll jump right into our discussion. My online course, Connecting with Baby During Pregnancy, has been out for a while now, and I've been getting phenomenal feedback from you women who have been learning these prenatal bonding techniques, putting them to use, and having amazing results. The same kind of results that the women in the Rafi study were getting, where by doing these techniques throughout pregnancy, they were having less anxiety and pain during labor. They're needing less obstetrical interventions, including less C-sections. And then afterwards, the babies are sleeping better, which means you're sleeping better. And postpartum depression was less than 1% in the moms who did these techniques. So go over to my website at drjwarren.com CWB and learn all about it. I think this course is amazing. I put a lot of effort into it, and I think it'll really help you have a healthier, happier, and more relaxed pregnancy and a gentler yet powerful birth. As I said, I have two guests today. Let me first start with Dr. Jim Thompson. He's operated a family wellness practice since 1975, and he's also part of the teaching team for the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association. His approach to chiropractic service in terms of both philosophy and technique have been influenced by two giants of the chiropractic profession with whom he worked closely. The first was Dr. Clay Thompson, who created a system of spinal analysis used by thousands of chiropractors today to correct human body misalignments causing nervous system irritation. And the second influence was Dr. Larry Webster, who is said to be the grandfather of chiropractic pediatrics. Dr. Thompson taught with Dr. Webster for many years and from him learned many special methods of adjusting babies' spines. Dr. Thompson is married with two children of his own and lives and works in Meaford, Ontario. 
And Dr. Sarah Hogan is a 2013 graduate of Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. While attending Dr. Thompson's ICPA module, she found a great mentor in him. Dr. Thompson has helped shape her to become the chiropractor that she is today. Since then, Dr. Sarah and Dr. Thompson have worked side-by-side in practice in Ontario and in teaching together throughout the world. As a team, they've also created, developed, and launched the new Salutometric program, helping chiropractors confidently examine infants. Personally, she enjoys living an active and healthy lifestyle where fitness and healthy eating are high priorities for her. So now, let me switch over to my conversation with these two great doctors. All right, Dr. Thompson, Dr. Hogan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Glad to be here. Well, our listeners had heard uh, your bios and how accomplished you both are and all the amazing work you're doing in your practices. But to give a little context as we start the conversation, like I'd love for both of you just to kind of describe your journeys and how you got so interested in what we're going to be talking about, um, working with babies and specifically in primitive reflexes. So um, Dr. Jim, would you mind starting and um, telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. I've been doing this work for about 45 years now, um, probably the most influential, the person who changed my, the path of my interest in natural healthcare most was Dr. Larry Webster. Uh, he was a professor at Life University, and he actually became known in the public as the grandfather of chiropractic pediatrics. It was he who developed some of the equipment we use to care for children. It was he who developed some of the ideas about uh, modeling the cranium in a more normal way when there was some problem in that area. It was he who even taught me how to hold the baby in a particular way so they'd be at ease when I was adjusting them and special corrections of the spine and so on. So um, he was a real um, personality in every sense of the word and I uh, really kind of bonded with him. He, uh, he was honest and he was straightforward and he was a really good teacher. So from that point on, I just kept um, digging. Um, he gave me a great honor by asking me to teach with him uh, early in my career. And so, uh, again, our friendship and our respect for each other goes way, way back. He's, he's passed now, and I feel in some ways I'm kind of carrying that torch. I might sound a little bit like I think I'm special. I'm not special in any way, but I, I do have a set of uh, information through Larry uh, that I can share with others uh, as, as we go. So my interest goes all the way back. I'm also a parent, and I'm also a person who has seen thousands of children in the practice. And um, the way we care for children has changed over the years a great deal. And I'm really excited. I'm in my 70s now, and people say, when are you going to retire? And I said, I, I really can't because I finally got this thing sort of figured out. <laughs> I might get it figured out, something new comes along. But it really is getting better and better the way that our profession um, is learning new ways and new ideas about caring for children uh, in a natural manner. Very good. Well, welcome again. Thank you. And uh, Dr. Sarah. So, um, I don't come from a chiropractic family or anything. In fact, my family's all about florists and bankers and construction, so not healthcare related at all. But um, I kind of ventured down this path on my own. In school, I was really interested in science and everything. I looked up what chiropractic was all about, and I just went for it moved down to Davenport, Iowa, and started at Palmer College. And when I was there, I, I really started thinking about, well, why are we just adjusting adults? Why isn't there more, more focus on kids and babies? So I started belonging to the pediatric clubs and 
I started taking the ICPA courses. And in fact, that's when I met Dr. Thompson. I was still a student at Palmer and I took his uh, module for the ICPA in Chicago, I believe it was. And during the break, I went up and I said, where you're, you're from my hometown. How do we not know each other? <laughs> and I said, I live like 15, 20 minutes from you. And um, I continued to bug him and bug him and emailed him. And eventually we are where we are now. And I work with him and we've worked together for about six and a half years now. And uh, like I said, we, we share a strong, um, similar passion for caring for babies and children. And we both have a similar approach to life, which is that salutogenic model and really striving in a proactive world and helping people and babies thrive from day one. Very good. Well, welcome as well. And our topic today, I would love for you to be able to bridge the gap around kind of the official topic of primitive reflexes in a newborn and why a new parent listening to this would care about that. I know most parents, if I'm talking about primitive reflexes in my practice, have no idea what I'm talking about and or they think it's something that maybe was checked in the hospital as they um, left the hospital and it's never really been talked about before. So could you, before even jump into those things, can you talk about like what those primitive reflexes are and why they're so important for a parent to at least know about them or to have um, their babies um, checked by somebody? Absolutely. Um, in terms of physiology or how the body works, a primitive reflex, uh, it's in every human being, every mammal actually. And what it is, it's a, a pre-wired or a pre-existing neurological that's part of the brain um, that is its purpose is to actually train the body to do certain muscular and other functional things until the body can do it with a conscious effort um, so maybe an example would be good we can think of something we call the the uh, the grasping reflex where the, the hand comes in the fingers wrap around a, uh, the baby's fingers wrap around the parents fingers say in the first two or three months of life that's a primitive reflex. There, the, um, the, the muscles of the hand are learning to, to come together and to, to hold on to the parent's finger firmly and so on. And then later, that's not necessary because the, what's going to happen is the primitive reflex is going to integrate. In other words, it's going to become less and less part of that action of grasping the finger. And the action of grasping the finger is going to be more of a voluntary um, action that the child initiates because they want to grab the finger. So that's one example of the primitive reflexes. There are at least a dozen there that we, we don't need to go through at this time, but the principle is that they're there for a reason. They're there, they're part of growth and development. They have a timetable. They have a window in which they normally occur. And actually, one of the things we'll hopefully talk about later in our little chat today is that sometimes those primitive reflexes do not go away when they're supposed to, and they end up in the case example of the grasping reflex I just mentioned, if it doesn't go away when it should, that child may exhibit characteristics of clumsiness or something like that, have difficulty holding a pencil in school, and on and on it goes. So in summary, primitive reflexes are something we all have. They're necessary. They are time sensitive. They need to be there at the beginning, but they need to go away when they're no longer required. They're basically a neurological training program um, that the baby has. Okay. And so what about like with, so before we talk about them not going away, what about if they're not present 
or if they're not working as they should? What are the kind of things that a baby would exhibit? So that's one of the things that, that we're checking. First, I want to kind of backtrack a second to just um, define a primitive reflex is something that's involuntary that they have from birth or before they're even born. And, and as chiropractors who are checking these primitive reflexes, we're making sure that they are present when they're supposed to be. So what you just asked, we have to do all these tests and that's what we do in our infant exams. And when we teach classes and everything, we're teaching other chiropractors how to really check, is that, is that reflex present when it should be there? So it's another example, because examples are the best way to explain it sometimes, something like the sucking reflex. A sucking reflex actually starts when the baby's still in mom's belly, okay? And that's why moms think it's, oh, it's so cute when they get their ultrasound pictures and they see their little baby and they're sucking on his thumb, his or her thumb, right? And they think, oh, wow, my baby already knows how to do that. That's really important. That reflex actually start, starts developing when they're about 32 weeks gestational time. And by about 36 weeks, that reflex is actually fully developed. But something that's kind of related to everyone, we've all either experienced ourselves or with a close friend or family member, we've had those incidents where there's a premature baby, right? And, um, and often those premature babies have problems sucking and have problems nursing and stuff. So we can really relate it back to that. So when we examine a, a premature baby and we don't see that that reflex is present yet, we think, wow, this must have, must have been happening or not happening for such a long time before this. And so that's when we have to make sure that they're there when they're born. And if they're not there, then we can start doing care, which is gonna include things like chiropractic adjustments, properly stimulating the nervous system, and making sure that those reflexes actually do start happening in an involuntary sense. So baby that isn't having like a, a proper sucking reflex is going to be having those latching problems, they're going to be having um, breastfeeding issues that may find their way into a, an office, either a pediatrician or a chiropractor looking at like lactation consultants. And is it is that, to your knowledge, is that something that like lactation consultants and, and pediatricians are looking for? I don't know I, the answer to the question I'm asking. I think, I think that, um, for example, say, say a baby's born at 35 weeks gestation instead of the typical 40-ish weeks that we all kind of hear that magical number for. But if, they're, if the baby's born, say, five weeks early, and they might not have developed that properly yet, that's when we do, we do check it and we see it right from day one. As soon as they're in our offices, we say, okay, there's a flag up here saying, we need to make sure this baby starts developing that reflex because it's gonna be really imperative for their survival. That's, this is how they feed. This is how they, they learn to nurse from mom. And that's why we do have a team of people in our community that we can, we can send them to different therapists, whether it's a physiotherapist or a lactation specialist or different nurse practitioners that will help mom and baby work on developing these proper reflexes as needed. We'll say there seems to be, um, at least in our environment, we're up in Canada where it's really snowing nicely today, thank you. Um, <laughs> it seems to be an increasing um, awareness in all the professions of the importance of checking for and dealing with any aberration in the normal um, presentation of the primitive reflexes. Um, as I say, I've been in practice for a little while, and um, I, I really see that um, we're just becoming, it's not just that it's just style right now, but we're, we're, really, we're really tuning in on the importance of these coming and going as, as scheduled. 
And it, I think for a new parent listening, like it should make sense that if a baby is born prematurely, that their baby's nervous system wasn't able to fully develop yet because they were um, born too quickly. But say those babies that are later on, they're like more of like towards their um, estimated date and came out at a quote normal time. And those Mm -hmm. primitive reflexes aren't present. Like what happened? Like what's wrong? Well, one thing that could be wrong, and I, I'm not being judgmental in any way, is that I know when we learn to, that when you see it on YouTube and stuff, how to do it, I'm thinking perhaps a parent would check this themselves, having seen something. It takes great skill to elicit some of these primitive reflexes. And so um, I'm not pointing fingers at, at anybody at all, but you ask what happens if they're not there. My first caveat or warning would be make sure that they're not there. It does take a, a, a highly trained um, person who's done it literally thousands of times to do it just right. In many examples, we're stroking the skin to elicit a response, and the, the, you can't tell just in a, from a book or on, on YouTube or whatever how, how much pressure to use. So again, be careful you're dealing with accurate information. Okay, that's a good point, Allison. And to the moms listening, when you think, oh, is something right or is something wrong, we often go to the internet and go to Dr. Google first, right? Or YouTube and start doing our own research and saying like, okay, is this, maybe maybe there's a developmental problem. Maybe I should do these tests and we start doing them at home. So uh, Dr. Thompson has a great point there that um, we should really be going to those that are highly trained and know how to really test for primitive reflexes and make sure that your child has them when they're supposed to. And also like we like we mentioned previously, that they diminish or they disappear or the word we use is integrate as they're supposed to as well. And there's actually lots of reasons why um, some of these primitive reflexes may not integrate. And then if they don't integrate, we call that a retained reflex. In the original question, which we seem to have avoided very nicely, um, A is something we don't see very often. It's usually there if it's properly tested for, but um, and not to be alarmist in any way, but there are certain children who are born with, with damaged nervous systems. And this, this could be what we're picking up there. So it goes back to the value of a thorough test done by competent people. Um, that's about all I have. Good. Okay. So when this exam is done and we find out that there's some of these um, primitive reflexes that are either diminished or they're not present at all. Like what in that moment, like what does that mean for you as the doctor? And then what does that mean as the parent? Does it mean they're never going to come back? Does it mean that they're permanently neurologically damaged? Like where, where do we go from there? I would say first off, um, speaking as a doctor to patient situation, I would advise the parents not to freak out. I would make sure that they understand that this does happen. It is a serious thing, but we don't want them to assume that their child has major developmental problems. We wanna make sure that they understand what we're talking about here, that we're fine tuning their nervous system. We're checking to make sure that they do have all these little things and that we're checking these things so that we can have early detection of any problems that could, could be coming our way, right? Early detection is a really key part of this. And so when we're, when we're checking all, these, all of these tests within our entire evaluation and exam that we see them on, on their first visit, we, we tell parents, you know, 
okay, so maybe this one's, it's not quite there yet, but each time your kid comes in, we're gonna keep rechecking this and we're gonna make sure that it's either present or absent depending on their age as it appropriately should be. And we, we work with parents and we say, the number one thing we gotta do is we gotta work with their nervous system. And what's the best way to work with their nervous system? Chiropractic adjustment. Yeah, explain how that can, uh, can help those uh, de deficiencies, if you will, um, how that can help restore that normal function for someone that doesn't understand. Well, what the chiropractor does is examine carefully all the spinal bony components, but understanding that that spine is the house of the, of the, of the spinal cord itself, which is just, again, not to be oversimplistic, the tail on the end of the brain. So when there is problems in the bony spine, uh, we call that a subluxation, or you could call it a misalignment, or you could call it a lot of fancy things. But when the spine is not properly lined up, so it bends and does all the things it's supposed to do, it has a negative impact on the nervous system that's within the spine. For these reflexes to work well, for all the aspects of health that we can think of, one of the key underlying fundamental components, that which upon the whole chiropractic profession is based, is a, a sound um, connection between uh, the mind and the, uh, between the body uh, and the brain, between the, the hard parts of the body and the soft tissues of the central nervous system. In other words, for the brain to give proper instruction to the body on what to do, it has to know what the body's doing. So there's a, there's a cycle of information always flowing to the brain, and similarly, there's one always going from the brain. And all that information is flowing through the spine itself. And little distortions, and you don't have to have a big accident to have a big distortion. And this is what we deal with all the time. So the proper chiropractic care of the infant spine helps the nervous system to be as whole as it can be. And then if, some, if that doesn't, isn't that enough of a, a helpful intervention to let these reflexes behave in a more normal way, then there are also some extra things that we can do as well. Right. And that's a part of the reason why I recommend to all the parents I'm working with to have their babies checked as soon as possible after the birth, because the birth trauma, uh, the birth process, even if it isn't overly traumatic, can cause a lot of stress on the baby's head, on their neck, uh, their nervous system can be interfered with, and little things that we can correct in the first days and weeks of life can make a huge profound difference uh, later I, on. I, yeah, I don't want to talk over you ever, uh, but I, I think that new parents sometimes, with love, assume that because their baby isn't quote-unquote sick, that their spine and everything is just fine. Um, and I, I beg to differ. Um, sometimes problems will show up later. I hope they never ever show up in any child, but it does take a practiced and a trained and an educated chiropractor to, to do that evaluation, as you said, as soon as possible after birth. And if you are a new parent, please don't wait until your child exhibits something like colic or some of the other typical childhood things that do occur before seeking a spinal checkup. Um, having it done just because it's there is just the ideal. And that's part of what we, I hate the word preach, but that's what we advocate, that's what we recommend. And you'd be surprised, we find some pretty pretty large issues that can be totally dealt with in children who are absolutely pink and pretty and peeing and pooing and everything's fine with them, and yet their spine is having a problem that hasn't expressed yet. 
So I really just, just because I love children, I would just love them to get all checked right away quick. Right. And that's something I know you both advocate that proactive approach rather than reactive. So let's move now into the timing of baby's um, reflexes. Either they're coming up, they've come back, but then they're being retained, that they're not going away, that they aren't being, what, as you mentioned, um, Sarah, integrated. Um, what process is going on there that might be challenging the baby's um, body developmentally? Sure. So um, like I said, we see this pretty often where we're seeing um, we're checking primitive reflexes. I should note when we when we check babies and we're checking them to make sure that those reflexes are present, we still continue to check those reflexes even after we think they should go away because we want to see if they still are present when they shouldn't be. So for example, like a palmar grasp reflex that Dr. Thompson talked about earlier, that reflex starts integrating or disappearing around that six month age. So we still check that when they're seven months nine months, a year old and stuff, because we want to make sure that them holding our finger now is a voluntary thing, not a not an involuntary thing. Because because if it's still an involuntary reflex, that's when we give it that term retained or it didn't integrate. Okay. So what your question was why why would some of these reflexes be retained? What could have caused that or what's happening in the nervous system? And it really is uh, a result of the nervous system not functioning properly. And so it could be anything. It could be something from trauma. And that could be trauma that happened during pregnancy or, or after pregnancy or, or during delivery. It could be something, any, any sort of stress. So it could be environmental stress. It could be a physical stress. It could be a chemical stress. It could be an emotional or mental stress. Although we think, oh, how could a one month old have, have some of those stresses? They are very real and they are very present in many, many infants that we see. Um, Subluxations, which is our fancy word for misalignments in the spine that are causing stress on the nervous system. Those can cause reflexes to become retained and not disappear when they should. Other things like when um, a baby skips some of those important stages um, in developing. A common one you, you see often, and, and some parents, and no offense to those that have bragged about it, but some parents come in and they say, oh, my kid just went from, from sitting on his bum to like running and didn't even bother crawling. And, and to us, that's a bit of a red flag. We say like, oh, they, they didn't learn how to crawl. That's, that's a big part of brain development and nervous system development. And often when we, when we see those kind of kids that are, are not doing those crawling patterns and they skip stages and holding their head up or doing things like that, they've actually skipped some of the, the learning in their, in their neurological development. And that's when we see some of the kids that also have retained reflexes. Things, things like tummy time as well, yeah. Oh, yeah, tummy time is huge. Also, one of the reasons that the timing of the um, integration of the reflexes off, I think, is we have some children who are not stimulated enough or they're overstimulated. And um, that's a subjective thing, And it, but I, I, I have noticed it recently. So um, it's what's happening in the child's life is very important as well. Is that something too that there's like ways of stimulating the system, or in this case, is there it's, is the difference apparent with be doing with trying to relax the system so that those can be integrated, or is those kind of two sides of the same coin? I think that you're you're almost there. It, it <laughs> that wasn't a very nice thing to say. No, what it is is 
I've lost my train of thought here. I was talking about whether it was something that do you have to stimulate the body to get these um, um, reflexes to integrate, or is it something that you need to relax the body? It can be either or, Jay. Typically, it's a stimulation because there's been less stimulation before. So um, if you have a reflex that's there way beyond when it should be, the way to deal with that besides nutrition and rest and lack of stress and chiropractic adjustments and all that is to actually overwork the reflex. And then in physiology, we say that's going to fatigue the reflex and then it will go away. So that's, um, and that's something where in our practice, we really heavily involve the parents. Um, to be frank, the, the baby may be only in our office once a week, but this needs to be done many times a day to be successful, this, this fatiguing of the reflex. So whether we're talking about a fine feathered uh, paintbrush that we're rubbing on the cheek to stimulate sucking, or whether we're talking about a ball that the child learns to squeeze to do grasping, or whether we're talking about starfish little exercises for morals and on and on it goes. We have little, I hate the word formulae because it sounds impersonal, but we have little strategies we can use to really work those areas of the retained reflex to fatigue them so that they, that whole process of integration will actually happen. And sometimes it happens months after it should, but it still needs, that needs to be done, or that can be, there are many people in the adult world suffering from attention deficit and all sorts of things that are partially caused by these retained reflexes. So um, certainly in our mind, one of the most important things we check for besides spinal alignment is the is a retained reflex and um, to do what we can both in our office and with parent advisory lifestyle things to do to help them. I agree completely. But, you know, when, when we see a retained reflex situation, number one thing we do is adjust them. Number two thing we do is we try to fatigue the pathway, like Dr. Thompson just said, both in our office and also giving parents homework to do at home and teaching them how to do it on a daily basis at home. And number three, I'd call it just other. And that could be lifestyle things. And that could be trying to reduce things like I talked about, like stressors in their life, or going back and learning crawling again and learning crossbody patterns, or learning some of those important and vital developmental steps that may have been skipped before. I would also throw in that it doesn't usually take weeks or months to do things. Even time, it's sometimes just take days. We must remember in all these interventions that we're doing to try and help the child um, get on a normal developmental path, if you will. We're working with nature. Their nature or their, I don't know how you would call that, but their inner wisdom or they want to get to the next stage and we just need to encourage it along. We're not going against nature in any way. We're going with it. So it's like going with the flow of a river. It's an easy thing to do. And as soon as this extra little stimulation comes in, Away, the, the nervous system is already through genetics and through pre-programming and all those things is designed to go forward, and we just have to give a little nudge, and away it goes. So it isn't mm -hmm. a it, it it's an important thing, a very important thing, but it isn't often even that time-consuming. You just have to know what to do. Right, and I think as we're wrapping up here, I think that's a great message for our parents to hear: is that if these challenges or problems are present, that something can be done about them. 
you know, that there is help for it. It isn't that their baby is, you know, instantly or from that moment on, like neurologically damaged. It's something that can be worked with. And, you know, we see it all the time in our practice, like how resilient the body is and how if we get those blockages out of the way, the body's going to be able to heal and, and really thrive forward. Um, and, you've explained perfectly like how ex how important these things are to be checked and then also um, kind of touched um, simply on what can be done about it and working with a professional that's doing that. So for um, in the last couple of minutes here, like where can people either find more about, find out about you and if they're in your neck of the woods, you can tell them where your practice is or other places that people listening around the world or around the country might be able to find similar like-minded docs. Well, we, 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 we co-teach a module for the, uh, the ICPA, the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, and they have a website, ICPA for Kids. And so we're literally all over the world doing that, mostly in North America. Um, we practice five days a week. Um, we're in a small town, two hours north of Toronto, in the middle of Canada. So you fly to Toronto and get a dog sled and come on up and see us. Um, Dr. Hogan, how would you handle that? Um, if, you, if you want to contact us at all, we're both available anytime by phone or email. Our email addresses are yeschiro at bmts.com and drsarahogan at gmail.com. And we're happy to try and refer you to anyone in your area that we may know or give you any advice or help you with asking questions in your, in your community and finding the right healthcare providers for you so that you can kind of work with your babies and work with yourselves to live that proactive, salutogenic, wellness-based life that you're trying to get. Very good. I'll make sure that those links that you mentioned are in the show notes. So you listeners, you'll be able to click on those links and get in touch with uh, Dr. Jim and Dr. Sarah, should you need to, or um, find a doc in your neck of the woods with uh, that ICPA's website. So with the last final minutes here, um, what, what would you say is the major take-home message you'd like the listeners to get from what we talked about? Um, just kind of in a summary of what we covered today. Oops, hold on, Jim. I can't hear you at all. I'm sorry. Yeah, right when I right when I asked the question, it was muted for about a minute, or for and when you started answering. So, um, we'll just take a second, and then I'll cut that part out. But um, just go ahead and start whatever wisdom you're about to drop. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> so, what would you, what message would you like to um, have the listeners um, take home with them today? Uh, the message I would like to say is to compliment the parents listening to this podcast uh, for listening to it because it shows that they are of a, an inquisitive mind and a mind that they're really trying to do the best for their child. And I would like to also say to them that when the child's um, development, we, whether we're talking about the reflexes that we've just discussed or whatever happens, um, just keep seeking care. Um, please include chiropractic in that which you seek. and. I'd like to say to the children, the parents of the children in our practice, it's not that your child really has a problem per se, it's that there's a delay. I think the word delay um, really is an honest one and uh, with the proper um, analysis and with the proper um, 
approach with chiropractic and with home care and so on, virtually all these delays can be dealt with in, in a good way. That's my message. Very good. Very good. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, Dr. Sarah, anything you want to add to that? But when we when we do have um, any sort of delay or, or a neurological problem, I want parents to know that the nervous system is very dynamic. It's very changeable. We call that a, a neuroplasticity. We can make really great changes. And good on the parents, moms and dads, for bringing your babies and your children in to get checked because you're doing amazing things for them. We're really seeing that shift from people waiting till a symptom is present or waiting until there's a sickness or a symptom or a disease, we're seeing them now coming in saying, how can my child be the best version of itself? And I think that's truly wonderful. So I, I just think it's great that parents are really trying to be more proactive and really um, live that wellness model. Very good. And my last question is uh, for the little baby <laughs> that might be listening. Either baby is uh, in mom still and mom's listening, being that proactive mom that you just said, um, listening to this episode and listening to you, or maybe um, baby's here and they're listening because they're in earshot of the episode. And what, would, what wisdom, what um, message would you like to whisper into their little ear? Well, if I, could, if I could whisper something into their ear um, in either situation, whether they're still in mom's belly or they're, they're in her arms being held right now, um, your parents are doing wonderful things for you. They're obviously listening to this podcast. They're bringing you to chiropractors. They're trying to help you be the best version of yourself. One, when you're old enough, say thank you. And two, um, continue doing it. Continue trying to be the healthiest version of yourself continue being optimistic and always striving for the best. Don't wait until something goes wrong. Always ask the question, how can I be the best? Don't be so defensive in life. Up your offensive game and you truly will thrive and succeed better. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Um, so as I said, like I'll have all those notes available for you, um, the listener, to get in touch with these docs. Um, I want to thank you both for being here and coordinating your busy schedules um, so we could all have this conversation. I personally have learned a ton from you, from your um, module, from things that you're doing with the ICPA doc. So from my heart to yours, I want to thank you for that. And then also for uh, being a part of the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Jay. Hi, it's Dr. Jay again, and I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's something I really enjoy doing, and I, as a parent, learn a ton from these experts coming on and sharing their wisdom, so I hope you're getting a lot out of it, too. And I want to share something else with you. I've created a guide called The 40 Ways to Connect with Your Baby During Pregnancy. It's full of simple things you can do on a day-to-day -day basis that will help strengthen that bond that you have with your baby. It's a free download. You can go to my website at drjwarren.com slash 40 ways and just enter your email. I'll send it right to you. You can download it and start working on it right away. All of the research that I'm learning in the fields of epigenetics and attachment parenting is showing that the more bonded you are during your pregnancy with your baby, the better the birth is going to go and the better parenting is going to go because you have that strong foundation, a strong connection to build upon. So go again to my website. It's drjwarren.com slash 40 ways and get that free guide. And again, thanks for listening.